Welcome to Marvel Cinematic University, the show where we recap all the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies up until Infinity War. I am one of your co-hosts, Jake Christie. Join me today, as always, are my two uh, other panelists, Jerome Chang. Jerome, how you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. And Anthony Canton the third. How you doing, AC? I'm excellent and excited. How are you? I'm doing well. And joining us, we have a very special guest. You know him from the Nice Kicks podcast and the Back to Back podcast. You know him from just the internet, from every a million different things. Black Trey, Black Trey, how you doing? Well, it's good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it Welcome. was our pleasure. And we're here to talk about. Uh, one of the most anticipated movies in any film franchise, I feel, uh, Captain America Civil War, um, the one where the Avengers fight each other, you know, everyone's familiar. Uh, Anthony, I want to hear your thoughts, because obviously, uh, not only was this anticipated because, like, fans of the movies were like, oh crap, we get to see the Avengers fight, I know it's a huge thing in the comics, so how, how, how did you feel about it? Ooh, man, you know, it's funny because I remember when the trailer came out all the way back in November before this movie came out. I was just hyped for that end scene where the end of the trailer where you see Iron Man going one on two against Bucky and Cap. And I'm like, holy shit, this is going to be crazy. So it's like your expectations are all through the roof. And then when I actually go to the movie and I could watch this movie a, a ton of different times. And, and I've done that, and my thoughts are, it, it was amazing. It ushered in kind of uh, some new heroes, the introductions of Black Panther and Spider-Man, the boiling point of Steve Rogers and Tony Stark, to which we've discussed at length on this show. And just thinking about the Avengers disbanding, relationships changing, and so much more. There were so many so many different scenes and i'm just excited to talk about it uh trey um what did, did you did you first see this movie in theaters or did you see it afterwards no i just recently just seen it like after we had that conversation because i didn't i mean i don't know how this one slipped under the radar for me i'm obviously i must have been teaching at the time what was the release date of this again uh this is, it was i in, believe it was may may of 2016 yep yeah yeah so during that time i probably was just all over the place you know and and it slipped under the radar for me so um i had to go back and and check it out but i'm glad i did um you guys prepped me for what's to come um in the next couple weeks what uh what what were your some of your reactions to seeing uh the movie like just generally so what bugged me out was i didn't know that this was the movie that intro the black panther Mm -hmm. um also was the mcu i mean uh, mcu spider-man too right yeah, like the first on a on a new MCU platform, right? Because before was this like the Switch? It was yeah, on the, Sony. Yeah, yeah Sony basically. Yeah, so, yeah, so it was kind of like a better look, but it bugged me out because I was like, "Yo, this is dope!" Like, you know, what I mean, when I'm when I'm looking at it, like I couldn't believe it, you know, because obviously I, I approached Black Panther um, uh, blindly. I mean, obviously the hype was there, but I kept hearing so much about it. And I was like, okay, I'm not seeing it just because it's a black superhero. I'm seeing this because of what other comic book movies have, you know, uh, and, and comic, book, comic book goers, uh, movie goers, um, pretty much put this expectation on it. So I wanted to follow up on it. 
and it lived up to its hype. So um, now seeing that, you know, T'Challa's father being, you know, the intro, I mean, the scene that was in Black Panther, where they kind of went back to, um, showing his death and then how he puts on the ring and becomes Black Panther and stuff like that. Um, it, it helped out. It helped out a lot. It puts more understanding into um, what I had seen in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerome? Um, it's one of my favorite movies in the MCU. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we get an MCU Spider-Man finally and they get it perfectly. It's yeah. so good in there. Uh, uh, Anthony had mentioned uh, seeing the trailers, getting pumped about that fight between the three of them. I got so pumped when I saw Spider-Man show up because like, yeah. for anyone who had been a fan and knew how for like all the movies before this, they just never got an opportunity to have Spider-Man, who is such a huge part of this universe, be in any of these uh, films. And then to actually show up finally, it was mind-blowing. Like, Because even when you saw it happen there, you didn't believe it was really happening. Yeah. Uh, I, but outside of that, go ahead. I was just going to say that because I remember, I, I'm not, as you know, I'm not a big trailer guy. But one of my good mm-hmm. friends, Marcus, uh, I'm, I'll never forget when they released the trailer where they showed Spider-Man at the end of it. I was like meeting him to like do a recording of actually another podcast back in the day uh and he basically was having an aneurysm because he's like the russo brother said that spider-man wasn't going to be in the trailer but then he was in the trailer um (laughs) if i can i I actually might call him up and just try to later in the week and try to get him on recording explaining his react because it it was i've never seen someone so happy for something just as small as a character being in the trailer anyway drew more reactions i apologize no, no, not at all. Uh, basically, that's how I felt in that moment, too. So, uh, yeah, totally co-signed. Um, for the movie itself, uh, one thing I really enjoyed was, or really liked about it, was how it subverted a lot of expectations. Because when you did see trailers going in, you thought Crossbones was going to be a big part of it. Shows up for just the beginning, the first fight, and is bl- yeah. like blown to oblivion. Uh, even the Winter Soldier, uh, the battle... Um, in the movie itself, uh, you, you kind of are set up for a long time of thinking that it's going to be Cap and Bucky against all these other Winter Soldiers for a moment. You just think they're going there and it's going to be this big battle. Iron Man's going to join up and you're wondering how it's going to connect. And then suddenly none of that happens. They're killed without a mention and or barely mention. And, and then, I mean, the big twist at the end where it reveals yeah. that Bucky murdered uh Iron Man, uh, Tony Stark's parents, it just turns into this whole other thing, and suddenly it's like, it gets so personal, like, all the yeah. tension that had been building throughout, and you just feel like, oh, things are finally starting to come around, and then just, it just blows it out of the water, it's crazy, um, but it's so cool how the movie does that, before it, in leading up to it, and in the movie itself, uh, you expect what's gonna happen in the end, and it, that doesn't happen at all. Yeah, uh, I think that when I first saw it, I was really excited at how, um, well, I have some problems with like the nitty-gritty of bits of it, but I think it did as good as possible at getting us to believe that these characters who we saw teamed up for two movies could start fighting each other. Like, it, 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 and obviously a lot of the seeds of it were laid in other movies, like that there always was that little split rift between Tony and Cap, but then with the Bucky Elman and the Sokovia Accords, like, I think that, uh, it didn't feel like, I, like, on the one hand, yeah, they're probably not fighting to kill each other, and I think that that's a, that's an interesting wrinkle to it, but I also think, like, I fully expect, um, 
all of their emotions to be running high, and uh, it feels justified. It doesn't feel, like, rushed um, in the way that I think... Yeah. I mean, obviously it helps that the movie has a two-and-a-half-hour running time, but... Yeah. But, like, you you could see a movie that's more rushed where it's like, wait, why the hell are they fighting? Um, but, yeah, so I, I personally like this movie a lot. Uh, there are a lot of great scenes in this movie. And uh, I want to ask you guys, I'm going to start with Jerome. Jerome, what is your favorite scene in Captain America Civil War? Um, it's easily the airport scene. It's the one where you, the action sequence itself, how, like I said, Spider-Man was such a big deal, how you got to see Spider-Man in action against all these other characters, um, giant Ant-Man. Like, it's just, it's such a fan service that particular scene even in the kind of way that i I do agree with you it it does bother me to a degree that it doesn't feel like stakes are really there because i mean things do happen at the end of it but again like are they trying to kill each other are they not trying to kill each other it's hard (laughs) to say but uh no the, the that scene alone is just absolutely insane like i go back and just watch that scene on on its own whenever i can so yeah uh trey what's your favorite scene in the movie uh, it'd have to be Vision's Vision's entrance. Um, I just thought it was pretty hilarious that how he was dressed and uh, pretty much he got to show off what he got. Um, you know, he's kind of held back in uh, in uh, Age of Ultron, and then finally yeah. he gets to do his thing. Yeah. So um, I thought that was pretty uh hilarious. Him him in his um uh, android body, uh, dressed in uh Paul Bettany style clothing. Yep. Shout out to Paul Bettany. And jokes. Yeah. I love I, I think he's so underappreciated in this movie. Uh we're gonna get to favorite uh character later, but uh he's not he's not mine, but he's really, really good. Like the the bit where he's explaining like uh the door the I, I, no no no, no where door. he's where it's like Yes, but the door was open, so I assumed that <laughs> like, yeah. I that's I don't yeah. know. It there's just it, it's it's really great. Anyway, Anthony, what is your favorite scene in the movie? So honorable mention goes to the end uh, with the with the big twist in the reveal of uh, Bucky killing Tony Stark's parents because I think it just changes it just shifts the tone of the movie and just makes it a lot more personal between Cap and Tony with Cap knowing that Bucky did this and hiding the truth from Tony all along. But I'm with Jerome the airport fight scene there are so many fun elements to this you get Mm -hmm. spidey versus falcon and bucky for a bit you get iron man going after hawkeye and and uh, scarlet witch you and then of of course we get the appearance of giant man which is like was like i did not expect that and that was so dope to see uh the ant-man uh turning into giant man and that was that was amazing um obviously black panther got to get get involved and do his stuff as well everybody played their role in that fight scene and it was just so cool and it was so clean and then a a lot of the dialogue in that that uh airport fight scene was just perfect and it was just uh i know the the whole stakes thing is is a is a big question as far as that's concerned but at the end at the end of the day i just love overall from beginning to end because it's like this is what you were what we were all waiting for uh Mm. when this movie when we were ready to watch this movie so to see it actually play out and to play out as fun as it was was tremendous Uh, sorry jake before you go into it i just want to add because he reminded me when he was talking about it that scene gives me confidence that the russos can juggle this many characters yeah yeah 
That's all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, my favorite scene, I mean, like, the correct answer is probably the uh, airport scene, but I love, just because he's my favorite superhero and it's done so well, the scene with Tony and Peter Parker is so... It's a it, great scene. Yes, it's just, yes, you're right. it's, 100%. It's so fun and also, like, like... I said this, and I'll say this more when we get to Spider-Man Homecoming, but Tom Holland, one, it's great that they actually casted someone who at the time, it, it, his age began with a one to play Spider-Man, because uh, yeah. I was really fucking tired of seeing 28-year-olds be trying to be high school Peter Parker. <laughs> uh, but like he genuinely right. feels like a 15-year-old. Like, when <laughs> when Tony hits the costume out from under uh, in the the ceiling, and he, like, runs over, like, it's just, it's, it's a fun, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great, like, power dynamic type scene, and, you know, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's everything I wanted in it, um, and all the jokes about Aunt May are great, uh, a lot of this <laughs> stuff I'll get into in Spider-Man Homecoming, because I have some takes, I have some takes about takes about Aunt May, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, um, when he so, explains why he does what he does, it's oh, so great. perfect. Great, not yeah. having to do the whole like with like great power comes great responsibility line, but just him saying that, and it's perfect. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, it's really just uh, both Spider-Man reboots have really found their own way to not say with great power comes great responsibility, <laughs> but yeah. to say with great power comes great responsibility. Um, so yeah, let's go in quickly just to like some of the problems we have with the movie or like things. I think that the stakes thing, as I brought up earlier, is probably like the biggest plotting problem because like there's some characters <laughs> where I'm not quite sure. Like the biggest question is why the hell is Hawkeye on Captain America's side? Uh, not super clear on that. Does anyone have any other things like that of why they, they don't get anyone's motivations? Uh, Trey, Anthony, um, Hawkeye. John. Hawkeye, I think he's on his side because he's trying to live in seclusion. And for him to sign would mean he'd have to out himself and out his family. So that's my guess on that. That's, that's a good, fair. yeah. That's a good point. Hmm, I'm trying to think. I, As far as maybe stakes, I mean, it's pretty clear that uh, Falcon and Bucky, we know why. Yeah. They're the closest to Steve Rogers. Scarlet Witch, obviously she wants to kind of be free. She feels like she's captive. She feels like she's held back. Uh, it is funny how Ant-Man... Uh, through Falcon, uh, as we know from the Ant Man film, they had their their interaction, and it, it, so I, I figure that's part of the reason. And he's and you could clearly see the one of the Paul Rudd played his uh, the way that he played his uh, surprise and just mm -hmm. fanboyness in meeting Captain America and everybody else uh, mm -hmm. before the fight the fight happens it was pretty dope too. Yeah. So I guess yeah I guess maybe besides Hawkeye I would say everybody is pretty clear in terms of yeah. their motivations. Obviously well, Black Panther um, clearly just wants to to kill Bucky Barnes and that's really mm -hmm. his his sole motivation. So yeah besides Hawkeye I think everybody's pretty straight. Um, um, Ant Man also like he's with Hank Pym who's completely anti-start so there's no way yeah. they were going to be on his side oh, that's true good point yeah yeah uh now I've, i just want to ask a question for trey just because uh he was bringing up black panther earlier i think that there are some differences obviously between the black panther we see in the black panther movie and in this one like i i i actually i feel like the character was like a much much better drawn in the full black panther movie but how did you feel about mm -hmm. the way the character compared trey to black panther in black panther's movie um, the comparison in the movie, um, I mean, I like the lesser role that T'Challa pretty much had in 
this movie because it wasn't about him. It was more of a group. So I didn't expect too much for him to like outshine or, you know, I mean, be highlighted as versus Mm -hmm. the actual movie that intros this character in his backstory um, in the actual Black Panther movie. Um, So I thought it I thought it really worked out well. I thought I thought that the you know the the brothers did did a good job with it. Yeah, I I, I thought that there, it was pretty. Um, they did. I think they did a pretty good job. The one thing I was just kind of I thought was a bit of a problem was how he, when they get arre- when he gets arrested, he takes off his mask in front of like you know a uh, hundred Hungarian police officers and like <laughs> you mean to tell and like you mean to tell me that it's somehow still a secret that King T'Challa is the Black Panther. Um, that's a good point. But, uh, I'm gonna let you guys go through, like, like, little nitpicks you had, because I have some nitpicks, but, uh, you know, I'm gonna let you guys go first. Uh, Jerome, if you, if you have some nits to pick, this is your time. (laughs) Right. Um, okay, so, I agree completely with Trey, like, shout out to Domesticated Vision, that thing was, like, hilarious every time seeing him in a sweater, um, and, uh, collared shirt, but, uh, one thing that kind of bothered me about him is, and maybe Anthony can answer this question, is... With his Infinity Stone, shouldn't he be able to see through everything that's going on? Like, I'm not sure how it works. I know it's kind of an abstract idea, but how he seems so sure about um, Bucky and that Captain Rogers is wrong. Like, maybe it's just he truly believes that way. But I feel like he should have a higher view of what's happening and what's really happening underneath that he would be able to see clearly which way, like, what's really happening. And also, it kind of bothered me early on. Well, I think, well, to, to answer, yeah. your qu- answer your question, as far as the Mind Stone, like, remember, the Mind Stone, you can use it to control people's minds, at least from what we've seen uh, Loki do in Avengers in the past, and uh, that's what the Scepter was basically used for. It seems like, to me, Vision was just operating on pure probability, and... Okay in a pure and more of just like an android sense. So I'm getting the feeling that the mind stone is just particularly used for controlling other people as opposed to actually being able to I guess see into other people's thoughts and kind and cuz I don't think we see that at any other point from vision in the briefness of of his character in Tron and also in this movie as well. Yeah, and also okay. I think okay. that he references at one point that he has a synthetic brain. So, like, I, I actually, I, I assume that he has thoughts and feelings the same way that a human does. Anyway, you're going right. on. Yeah, and then the only uh, other thing I could say is because there are a lot of heavy things that happen in this film. Like, they try to, like, whether it's personal or like the larger scope of what these heroes represent. Um, I notice, and it happens like a lot uh, when they all interact. Is there seems to be dramatic switches in tones. Like, either they're kind of bantering with each other in a playful way, or they suddenly get very dramatic and serious. And, and to, like, point out one particular scene, uh, when they first meet in the airport, and Iron Man and uh, War Machine are talking to Captain America, uh, and then Spider-Man shows up, you, you know, there's a, the funny, there's a funny part where Spidey shows up, and he's introducing himself to everyone, and Iron Man's trying to, like, tone him down and everything. And Captain America's like, you've been busy. And then Tony immediately turns to him and is like, and you've been a complete idiot. And there's just something that happens in that. And normally, like, Robert Downey Jr. is a fantastic actor in this. It just seems so awkward. I, like, go back and watch it. Maybe I'm just, like, looking no, into fair. too much. But 
yeah, it just That's interesting. It, seems, it seems like and that happens throughout where it's again, it's because maybe of the stakes of it all. It's like at some points you feel like, oh, they're just kinda of like goofing around and trying to fight each other. And other times it's like, well, War Machine is now paralyzed <laughs> and and the tone in the movie and the feel of it just feels very drastic in how it changes uh from time to time. Uh Trey, any uh nitpicks you notice the things that you uh that kinda threw you off? Uh uh, nah, I, I'm actually going to run it back probably one more time so I can, uh, find in like some Easter eggs or something that, that was kind of hidden. Um, it normally takes me like two or three times to actually kind of point out, I mean, I've kind of approached this blindly, so I really wasn't yeah. having any expectations. Um, but yeah, I can, I can chime back in with you guys via Twitter or, or social media or whatever yeah. platform it may be to point out the stuff that kind of wowed me yeah, or, or you know, that annoyed me at, at best. <laughs> if you want to discuss this pod, use the hashtag MCUniversity. That's MCUniversity. Not just MCU, because then you wouldn't be able to distinguish us from the Marvel Cinematic Universe at large. Anyway. Hashtag uh, on brand. Uh, yeah. uh, Anthony, what were some things that you nitpicked or uh, noticed? So, after watching this movie a couple of times, and it's funny because I kind of noticed it, but I didn't realize it until I directly went into the actual goof. So then the last time I watched it, I checked to see and it was like, oh, this happened. So, you know, in the beginning, in the very beginning of the movie where uh, Falcon, Scarlet Witch, Captain America and Black are all trying to go after Crossbones. So like the initial the initial uh, fight outside of the building, uh, Black Widow's like attacking uh, a bunch of the soldiers and stuff and fighting them. There's this moment, and if you could freeze frame it, it's within the first I want to say uh, minute five or minute six around that time. You can actually see the stunt double's face. So that was like one thing that I that 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 I got after seeing it a couple of times and like wondering, Oh, this is because you could tell, like I've seen her in Avengers and other fight scenes and Iron Man two particularly where you could see clearly see that it's somebody else. But this is like the first time that you could actually see somebody else's face, but it's like obviously so quick that you'll miss it in a sec. Um, the other thing was the fact that, if we start the whole conversation that Tony is having for this whole fight gets kicked off at the airport, um, he tells Steve that he had 36 hours to bring him back to secretary Ross. So before this fight took place, remember he went to New York, he flew to New York to, uh, talk to, to, to talk to Peter Parker and Peter Parker had never traveled anywhere so he had to get him a passport and and obviously the pat and they had to fly to germany so within what kind of span could you could you do all of that within a, what is that a, from the 36 hours to 24 hours later that seems a little bit impossible even yeah. in uh um uh, MC in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so that would be like my other thing that that seemed a little bit implausible. All right, uh, so I have a couple things. Um, one is just too quick, like they're on the same topic. What it's about? What the morality is of like what's the morality of Cap messing with his 
old loves like great grandniece. Like, is that is right. that kosher? <laughs> I know you wanted to go into <laughs> like, uh, um, and uh, because like they're they're cute together, and it, it may like I'm glad that he found someone, but it's like mm-hmm. that's there's definitely a moral quandary there. Um, He's also like ninety. At this point, well, I mean, okay, I'm not expecting. I'm not expecting him to date ninety year olds, like I, you know, right, uh, right. But <laughs> like, I just, I just don't think that Peggy Carter would be too happy. Like, <laughs> like it's also pretty messed up that she, they waited for her to die. Like, what? But if she was still alive, you think that she'd be like appreciate her ex boyfriend being like, so you know, like you're like you know young grandniece. Yeah, we are uh, totally. We're, we're, we're dating now. Uh, but also that brings me to another thing where clearly there is some sexual tension between Vision and Scarlet Witch, unless, like, I'm crazy. Like, no, no. There, there's definitely, like... I mean, they are married in the, in the comics. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they were a... married in the comic books. So, there's, there's some, <laughs> so there's some moral quandaries. And now, just on this, excuse me, Trey, I'm gonna get out of pocket for a second. I was here in the Ultron pod. I asked, you remember what question I asked in the Ultron pod? Does Voltron? I mean, does does Vision have a penis? And if so, why? So, <laughs> like, does he? And so, like, if he does, like, is that part of it? Like, does is 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 he does he have like chemical attraction to people? Also, he's like a year old technically because he was born yesterday when Ultron happened. Um, yeah. and so, and like, is Scarlet Witch into that? Like, is she like you know what? Like, most girls my age, they want, like, supermodel-looking guys. I want a red guy with metal on his face. But, uh, and also about Scarlet Witch, they, like, make a joke that says, like, if you want drama, go to high school. And it's, like, and I thought, like, wait, are we supposed to think that her character is high school age? Because, like, she definitely does not look like she should be in high school. Right. Uh, right. And, like, that was a we- that joke came out of nowhere. And, like, it, we're never led to believe that she's that young. And she just does not look that young at all and i think that that's all my uh oh a, a, a non nitpick is i want to thank them for they they got my note i had an ultron where i was <laughs> mad that they just listed a place as off the coast of africa they identified mm-hmm. it being in lagos during the first scene so thank you very much um also the scene where bucky escapes like captivity why the hell did they just leave a helicopter unattended you would think that'd be like the first thing they do like <laughs> seal off the exits make sure he doesn't get the f- in a helicopter <laughs> um but anyway this is a category this is an extra category just for this episode uh <laughs> i'm gonna ask you guys whose side were you on in the not in terms of like what characters you want to be with but on the question of signing the sokovia accords who did you agree with uh trey i'm gonna start with you do you think that the avengers should have signed that bill to give themselves oversight or not Yes. Yes? Yes, I agree. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I'm yes on it too. You're in, and then Jerome? I don't think so. I don't know. Okay, go. Uh, I I mean, no. Let me stick with no on this one. How come, Jerome? Um, I think it's, like, all the stuff that they say in there too, but, I mean... Do we really want General Ross then to control the situation? Also, it's like this weird thing that I can't necessarily apply to real life, but like they're going to have bigger things to deal with. And like that stuff, I don't know, should be governed by people who don't really know or like have really experienced it. It's hard to say. I mean, I do understand like the like 
matters of what happens in the world that probably needs to be controlled and they definitely have caused a lot of serious damage but it's gonna come to a point where like it's out of everyone's control in which case you might just want to rely on them to do their thing yeah i, I think that the, the specific accords i don't know if i'd agree to those specifically but i do yeah. think that oversight like it just be from a real world standpoint like uh a lack of government oversight on like what is basically a highly trained paramilitary force is not exactly uh i don't know i wouldn't if they weren't superheroes i wouldn't approve of that like if you told me that like right, there was right. like a group of mercenaries in like iraq like like even if they're fighting exclusively isis now i'd be like you know what i feel like i want them to answer to somebody uh but yeah I that think, yeah I, I think it's that it's because like they're superheroes i they're think not, that caps like, i think caps position is unreasonable that they should mm-hmm. be govern themselves i think that tony is probably right in that uh you have to agree to something in principle before they show you down i don't know does anyone else well, have strong thoughts I on thought- it well, that's why I thought that uh, Secretary Ross did a good job of illustrating the issues that the Avengers have caused, whether right or wrong. They were doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. They they destroyed a lot of crap. And where, Sokovia where, was know, all their fault. Ultron was not oh, invaded. Oh, literally. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. If Ultron isn't created, then the whole Sokovia issue is null and void, and we don't get uh zemo out there causing a whole bunch of problems for everybody and uh killing uh t'chaka so there's a lot of um i think i think vision vision really was the one who who said it perfectly um from a from a line standpoint got it here where is it where is it um, right. So Captain America says, you're saying it's our fault. Vision saying, I'm saying there may be a causality. Our very strength invites challenge. Challenge incites conflict. And conflict breeds catastrophe. And I thought that was really, it was really succinct, well done, and really stated the point. And I feel, and Tony later said, if this, does, if this doesn't get done to us now, it will get done to us later, one way or another. Because mm-hmm. I think it's just... Even obviously, still, it's it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but at the same time, are, can these these heroes just operate unfettered uh, throughout you know throughout all of time, especially when all of these disasters keep happening? So that's why I didn't have a problem with the the whole Accord situation. And I like the position that Cap takes because I think that it's it's a very interesting thing about Captain America's character in that he to a fault i feel like in this movie um believes in the power of a righteous good person that like he thinks that like yes people might be worried we won't do the right thing but we'll keep doing the right thing and like i think he his fault is that he doesn't realize that that's not good enough that while he might be trustworthy enough just to be trusted to do the right thing that's people can't accept that you know what i mean like yeah that i I get that yeah, I, I think that I, I definitely want to assign the Sokovia Accords in their current form, but I think that it's 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 a really I, I think it's a um obviously they throw the Bucky stuff in there too to make it more dramatic and more like looking like it would come down to fisticuffs. But I do like the thing that splits them up. Feels like it actually you know what it feels like it feels like at least to me it felt like a direct response, even though it probably wasn't, to how 
dumb the amount of destruction was in Man of Steel. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, how, like, the entire city of Metropolis is basically leveled and, like, Superman kind of is just like, uh, whatever. It, fe- it feels yeah. like it feels like that would be, but it has been a criticism of comic book movies forever. Like superheroes just destroy cities and nothing bad happens to them, and like right. it feels like they're taking the criticism that people have of those movies and making it a plot point. And I thought that, that was whether intentional or not. I thought that was a very interesting way of going about it. Uh, anyone else have well, any more thoughts before we move on to another category? Yeah, just about that. Like, if we don't want to put it in the context of like some gigantic disaster, which Man of Steel and all the stuff that happens with the Avengers is definitely the case. You can look at the uh, final scene in Batman Begins where they tease the Joker and yeah. uh, Commissioner Gordon is talking to Batman about how while he did bring uh, justice to crime in the city, he's also causing this escalation. Like everything he does causes something else. And it's the same idea of vision speech about causality. So it doesn't have to be some gigantic world ending disaster. It is just the idea of, you know, your presence just yields a larger response. And we need to, in some ways, manage that so we're not constantly making this worse and worse with each ongoing battle. Right. Uh, now, shifting gears completely, uh, <laughs> this category, yeah. if Trey, if you've never listened to this pod, you're going to get caught, caught off guard with this category. Guys, how intrusive was Stanley's cameo in this movie? Uh Trey, do you, do you remember the Stanley cameo? Uh, very vaguely. He's he the was, FedEx guy at the end of it who says, uh, "Is there a Mister Stank here?" <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I'm all I always get a crack out of that because Stan's always my guy, um, regardless because he wore a bombed hat for his birthday. <laughs> so I, I so I'd never be any Stanley uh, slander. I'm always for him um, being forced into a movie. Yeah, All I right. think th- this is my favorite Stanley cameo, probably, just because I, yeah, think, yes, so I think you brought it up on another pod that it's at the, it's in the, ooh, guys, are you prepared for me to use a really fancy dramatic rank term? It's in the denouement of the movie, uh, <laughs> so like after the climax, uh, <laughs> and like that's a perfect place for him to say <laughs> a funny line, and the way that it leads Sorry, to Sorry, like, uh, quick interject, where do you attend school right now? Um, uh, just oh, I, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's like the prestigious New York University Tisch School of the Arts, it's not a good but it's, I, might, I might cut that out because I feel like the sarcasm isn't detected, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I actually do like how that leads to the sweet moment of uh, Rhodey saying, I'm not, like, calling him Mr. Stank. I'm like, Mr. Stank, table mm-hmm. of one. Like, I think that that's a mm-hmm. sweet, like, that's a very sweet moment in, uh, I don't know. It, it's just, like, nice to being able to see Rhodes happy again, even though clearly he's uh, sad because he lost the use of his legs. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's an intrusiveness. I'm going to say, like, a one, you know? Good, go for you. Yeah. Good, yeah. good Sam, good Stanley. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, um, I would say, in general, any movie that's involved Iron Man has a pretty good Stanley cameo. Cause, just because they call. fit him in pretty organically in terms of just humor, and he doesn't distract at all from it. Like, he just comes in the mm-hmm. natural flow. I think in the earlier ones where he's just um, mistaken for a different person, whether it was, like, Hugh Hafner or... Uh, Larry King. Sorry. Um, yeah. Right. But, like, um, yeah, in those particular instances, it's not like he's forced in. 
um, he's just kind of a part of it. And also, again, to your uh, ongoing, um, I want to see Stanley as a character that's believable. Delivery guy who gets the name wrong, I'm in for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Tony Stank, it's probably his best one out of all the ones so far. Yep. Uh, speaking yeah, of characters, yeah. uh, I was just going to move on, but do you have another thought on Tony Stank? No, no, no. I just, I would just wanted to say, um, I, I agree with you guys, and this was, yeah, this was definitely was his funniest one because I actually, like, I really legitimately laughed this time, and also it took place after everything had happened, so mm-hmm. I was cool with it. Uh, guys, obviously, there's too many characters. There's, there's so many Avengers in this movie that you really can't ask who's your non-favorite Avenger. So, I'm gonna ask you guys, who is your favorite? Avenger in this movie. Let's start with you, Jerome. Um, are we going to mention non-superhero character? Oh, we. Oh, or... do you want to get? Do you want to get your favorite non-superhero character out of the way? Yeah, it's kind of a cop out, but um, I think my favorite non-superhero characters are the two females in both uh, Captain America and Iron Man's lives, like Pepper Potts and uh, why am I blanking out on the name right now? Oh. Uh, um, Sharon Carter. But Pepper Potts is yes. also not in this movie, so. I don't, um, no, no, but it's their presence of it because oh, at different fully. points, like it, you can see that both of them are greatly affected not only by what's going on but the loss of those women in their life. Yeah, because Iron Man loses through a breakup, and of course, Captain America loses through death itself. But um, you can see, like in at her funeral during the service, uh, the words that are coming that are quoted through Sharon Carter are like really resonate with Captain America in a way that kind of strengthens his resolve. And you can see yeah. in different scenes, every time Pepper is brought up, it just builds the tension. In that mm-hmm. one scene where they're talking at the base and Captain America is arrested, he asks about Pepper. And it's almost like a jab, unknowingly, that yeah. patronizes him. And then it jabs a further, um, like, it, it pulls him further apart. And it's something mm-hmm. completely unrelated. But it's, it's just a, this interesting idea that these people who are not physically in the movie at all have such a great impact on both of these guys in the way that like affects this whole thing that happens. Um, yeah, so that was my point about that. But favorite actual superhero character, easily Spider-Man. It's that. Like, he's my favorite character in Marvel, and to see him done so perfectly. Yeah. Uh, you talked about title cards at the beginning, and I got to say the title cards were very in your face at different points, especially when at one point it's a year and another point it's Cleveland. <laughs> um, but when I saw Queens, oh my God, it like, I just freaked out and it just, it was all real. All the scenes you mentioned about it, airport. And when he talks with him, Spider-Man, best one yep. by far. Uh, Trey, who was your favorite character in the movie? Uh, my favorite character in the movie, um, Iron Man. All right, I'm I'm glad I'm gonna hold that because uh, unless you have more elaboration, because I have a take on Iron Man because he's my favorite too. Nah, go ahead, do you think? Well, no, I want Anthony to go first because I have a, I have a big take on Iron Man for this movie. Anthony, actually, I'm I'm on board with you guys. I, I'm Iron Man too. I just thought the turn in realizing I thought he played when he found out that that Bucky killed his parents, and then. Even more when when Steve revealed to him that he knew about it, mm-hmm. the way that he played that hurt and the way he was just reckless afterwards, it made me feel like when we got towards the end and when he had uh, Rogers cornered and uh, and he hit him with the... Sit down. Final warning. And 
and then Cap hit him with the. I could do this all day. And then Tony really put up the put up the repulsor like he was really about to shoot him. Yeah. So I think we had seen from the beginning of this this movie uh, throughout when Tony's uh, at MIT and doing the the barf technology with memories parents, and he's visited by the mother of one of the one of the people killed in Sokovia. Played by and the I think wonderful just, Alfred Woodard. Sorry, continue. Right. Right. And uh, you feel that, you feel throughout the movie that there's a frustration bubbling over. There's a frustration building. Like uh, Jerome alluded to earlier, the conversation with Cap at the base when he has to talk about Pepper. And then when Steve gets mad about Wanda, Tony just like, he, like he just says, you know what, screw this, man. Like, yeah. I'm trying to do this so to avoid something because uh, it has to be done so you see this frustration building throughout the movie and building throughout the movie and then you know you get to the point where okay he realizes that bucky was innocent so he's trying to work this out with steve but then that situation happens so i thought robert downey jr did a great job of of you know playing all throughout these the the fatigue of being tony stark and being this hero these other issues and balancing everything around him, I thought he was tremendous in it. Yeah, I was. My take is, and I feel like this is a pretty decently hot take. I think that this is uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I, I agree. think I That's think fair. he is yeah. asked to do so much, um, and like he, like all Captain America is a extremely bullheaded like. I believe what I believe is right type of guy, so it takes a lot less convincing to me, like for me to believe that he's gonna try to fight uh, Iron Man because it feels like he's trying to fight to stay alive. Like his fight is a lot easier to justify. But you're right. At the end of it, because not just he looks like he's gonna shoot him. Like at the end of it, you are like Robert Downey Jr. has you believing that he is willing to kill Captain America. That like. That would not be in a different movie. You wouldn't be like, "Whoa, I didn't think he'd go that far." Like, no, he could have killed them. You know, he I mean? was ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he blows off Bucky's arm with no exactly. hesitation. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think he has the benefit of having everything that happened, like all his appearances in previous movies, like all that story and character buildup. It allows Robert Downey Jr. to like go places with his character now because everything's believable. Like him breaking down. Um, if it was to happen like in Iron Man 2, it might be a bit of a stretch. But for everything he's gone through now, like it gives that opportunity. But I totally agree. It's probably yeah. his best performance. As. Now, now, Trey, what did you like about Iron Man in this movie? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm pro Stark. So, I mean, like it wasn't – he's he's pretty much – I mean, sadly, I mean, I don't know if he's going to die in this next movie. Or his character be killed off, but I think it'll be like the following movie after this one. Um, but I just, you know, I, like I said, I'm pro Stark, so I kind of enjoy all his like asshole somatic stuff that he, <laughs> he brings to it. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's he's so sarcastic, like me, um, when it comes to you know wisecracks that he he, he treats his teammates. Mm-hmm. You're both incredibly bougie, uh, <laughs> for sure. That's um, why. I play. Um. But yeah, I, I think he's great. And speaking of wisecracks, guys, we get to go to my favorite category always. Uh, yeah. What is your favorite line in this movie? Believe it or not, guys, I actually felt like this movie, I liked it a lot, did not have as many great, great lines that I, uh, as a lot of other ones. But I want to hear 
Starting with Anthony, what's your favorite line in the movie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of good ones. I'll go to a short one for my honorable mention. Uh, when Tony when Tony arrives at the at the prison where uh, Hawkeye, Ant Man, Scarlet Witch, and Falcon are all being held, he's walking through and he sees everybody, and then he passes by Ant Man, and Ant Man goes, "Ant Man always said you never can trust a Stark." And Tony just responds, "Who are you?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that was pretty fun. That was pretty funny. And this was really hard, um, but this, but I think this was simple because this is at the end. This is after Tony was really about to kill Captain America, in my opinion. I think he was about to get him, and then of course uh, Bucky intervenes, and and then Cap, Cap just like he's hammering Tony with the shield, and you know basically knocks him out, and you see there like that shot of right after that happened where cap is kind of on top of tony and like they're both just like worn out and then tony has this like look of like anger and hurt because he feels like he he should have kicked his ass there but you know bucky intervened and stuff so after that as cap is walking away and he grabs bucky tony always has to have the last word says the shield doesn't belong to you you don't deserve it. My father made that shield. And then Steve actually dropped the shield and walked away. And then you're just left with Tony, like, looking on at them. And earlier he, earlier he had, what you call it, uh, when he was on the offensive on Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers says, He's my friend. And Tony Stark says, So was I. So you could tell, like, that anger and that hurt had just boiled over between them. This had been building up for so long. And this movie centrally at the end of the day is about these two's uh, relationship and it uh, crumbling down. So we got that in those uh, couple of exchanges. Uh, Trey, what's your favorite line in the movie? Uh, my favorite line. Mm. You don't have to get it perfectly because I'm going to uh, – okay, I'll come back to you. Uh, yeah. You don't have to get it perfectly because I'm going to embed the line later. So you just need to paraphrase it, and we can all add it in afterwards. Jerome, um, about Anthony's point about uh, that shield doesn't belong to you. Uh, the other part I really like about that is um, the uh, undertone about how Tony is clearly jealous of his father's love for Captain America. Yes, and there's just the way he delivers that line. Like, there's so much behind it. I also felt a bit of a childishness to it. Like, like yeah. two kids fighting over a father's attention. And he's just, that's not yours. Like, almost in a way, like, I should have had this mantle this whole time. And he knows he doesn't because he lives in that shadow. Um, but, yeah, no, absolutely love that. Uh, honorable mention, um, which isn't even a line, but just it says so much. And I just really love that. I do understand the creepiness of Captain America and Sharon Carter. Yep. But... Bucky and Falcon nodding in the car <laughs> of approval. <laughs> that was funny. I mean, I, it's not creepy. I, I think it's just morally amb- ambiguous. Fair, fair. <laughs> yes, the moral, the moral ambiguity of it. But like Bucky and Falcon like nodding in the car for their boy, just like getting yeah, some, is was, so funny. funny. <laughs> like in a way that like you, it's better to not have a line for that. Absolutely. Um, All right, but, I got my line. But uh, but my favorite line. Um, I mean, I've been 
touting it the whole way through. Spider-Man's my favorite character, the highlight for me. Uh, when he takes the punch from Bucky and goes, You have a metal arm? That is awesome, dude. <laughs> Just his childlike wonder mixed with the fact that this dude is like seriously strong, like takes the punch like it's nothing. Like you've seen that fist like run through a bunch of people over the course of many films and that it was nothing and he just like grabbed it with his hand is yeah. like, such a dope moment um and <laughs> yeah. and the way he delivers it again uh to jake's point like it's great to have an actual teenager play this and really react to everything in a way that seems believable uh just before i move to trey uh i can't i won't mention it on the pod because i do this pod is not uh explicit um but just if you'd like to search my Twitter feed for the words Winter Soldier, uh, if you want to take I ha- a question I have about Bucky's arm. Anyway, uh, Trey, what's your favorite line? So mine was uh, Spider-Man. He said, hey, guys, you ever seen that really old movie? Uh, Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> Ultimate trope. That, that's, also, that's like a great – like. It's because I remember when I first saw it, I thought like, why don't they just do? I actually thought of why don't they do the ATAT thing? And I like how they did it, but they also reference it. It's not like they just yeah. acted as if that's never been done before. Like I like right. when pop culture exists in a world in which pop culture exists. If that makes sense. Anyway, my favorite line yeah. is a really really quick line, but I feel like it's such a good. I don't know. I just love the way it's delivered and just it. I, it's in the way, way, way beginning of the movie, and I was waiting for something to beat it, but, like, I just, it made me smile a lot of, uh, you know, Romanoff and Wilson are talking to each other over comms, and it's, uh, Ro- Romanoff, you, you look, yeah. Looking over your shoulder needs to become second nature. Anybody ever tell you you're a little paranoid? Not to my face. Why? Did you hear something? I love that line, because it's, it works on two levels. You works. would love that line. Yeah, I would. What, what, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? That I, I like uh, it, clever retorts? Uh, it, that, that's, your, that's been your type throughout. Yeah, I know. Not, I know. I'm joking. I know. You're right. It, yeah, cause I, 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 knew, I knew that I would like it. I mean, when I first like saw it, I'm like, oh, crap. Like, this is such a me line. But um, I like it because it works on two levels. Because it works both. Like I obviously, I think that she's joking on purpose, and but it also works on the level of she's not. Like if this was a straight comedy, she wouldn't be joking. But because it's not, she's joking. I don't know. Um, can I say the for this is the first? I just have one line that I think is terrible, and this is a rarity because mm. I think these movies are. But the line when Captain America, uh, Falcon, Bucky, and Black Panther all get arrested. When War Machine says, Congratulations, Cap. You're a criminal. <laughs> criminal. I roll my eyes so hard. Like, don't do my my boy Don Cheadle like that. The man's an Academy Award nominated person. Don't make him say that. I don't know. Um, for, for one bounce back for Don Cheadle, uh, when a giant uh, gas tank is coming at him and he's like, oh, come on! That's beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah. Don Cheadle's great in this movie because he's a great actor. And he is, and I know. I know you're saying he's not that. I just I, I want to give him like one bounce back on it. That's all. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that just overall, I think this movie was it definitely was as good as it had to be. It passed the bar. Um, there it was a little uneven in places, and I I would argue I think too much happens in it probably. Um, yeah. But I think for all it had to do, it really is remarkable. Um. That how much control the Russo brothers were able to have over it and not, uh, you know, be overwhelmed. 
shout out to them for uh, being able to, you know, not for this franchise not driving them crazy like uh, uh, other writer-director whose name rhymes with Boss Meaden. Um, yeah, so final thoughts, guys, uh, before we get to rankings. I think I can't cover all the categories, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I believe so. Um, I think this was... Overall, if you had to tell me, like, the main thing that I took away uh, towards the end, and the Tony the Tony Steve stuff obviously is a huge part, and, and everybody else, the Avengers being disbanded, at least for the time being, was kind of important because everybody's off in their own different directions. And, of course, I like the little cute mentions in the movie is, like, you know, we wonder where are where's Hulk and where's uh, mm-hmm. Thor? Where's mm-hmm. Thor at? So we get to, so we we openly wonder where those characters are at. Um, I also thought that even though, uh, T'Challa slash Black Panther was you know he was very understated in this movie, but mm-hmm. I thought at the end, as juxtaposed to Steve and Tony just having an all-out brawl, um, just a one more one more uh, stretch of line here that I thought that was important and I think it was done for a reason when uh, T'Challa confronts Zemo and you know they have the conversation and eventually it gets to the point where T'Challa says vengeance has consumed you it's consuming them I'm done letting it consume me Justice will come soon enough. And then Baron Zemo says, Tell that to the dead. And then before Zemo gets to kill himself, Black Panther catches him. The living are not done with you yet. So I think one of the things that more the, that was the most important thing for me is I think they wanted to give Black Panther that nod. And it was a very yeah. slight nod that I didn't realize at the time. At the end of Black Panther where he has that speech which is kind of like the uh, like almost like a a different mirror of Tony Stark's I am Iron Man speech mm-hmm. and we get the prism of Black Panther being kind of like a future leader of the Avengers and I think in going forward in these movies he's going to be playing a very large role and I think Civil War very subtly did a great job in kind of like giving you that inkling of what his character is going to be so i think that was the biggest takeaway and then of course um you guys mentioned it enough but spider-man was tremendous Mm -hmm. and it made me so excited the end the end end credit scene uh where spider-man has the new uh that has the, the new, new tech? tech that the new tech that Tony gave him. So it's like, okay, I'm excited to see what what uh, they're gonna do with this new Spider-Man. So overall, tremendous movie. I enjoyed the hell out of it. All right, uh, I, we just got the notice from Black Trey that he has to bail. So uh, we want to thank Black Trey for coming on to the podcast, and I think we're just gonna wrap it up because we're almost at the hour mark. Um, but seriously right. though, uh, thanks to Black Trey for coming on, um, shared his thoughts about this movie. Um, we enjoyed his presence, and now we do what we do at the end of all of these, which is we rank <laughs> the movies. Uh, let's just run through them quickly because there's a lot of them, and uh, we've been doing this a lot. Um, and yeah, so guys, if you want to write these down, if you care, uh, you one, you shouldn't, and two, uh, listen close to Rome. <laughs> okay, so looking at my list right now, I got Black Panther on top. 
yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Captain America, Civil War, Ant-Man, Iron Man, Avengers, Age of Ultron, Iron Man 3, Thor, Captain America, First Adventure, Iron Man 2, Thor, Dark World, and Incredible Hulk. Shout out to General Ross for showing up and reminding all of us that that movie exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so here we go. Black Panther number one, Cap Winter Soldier number two, Captain America, Civil War. Okay. Number three, uh, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, First Avenger, Iron Man 3, Iron Man 2, Thor the Dark World, and of course, The Incredible Hulk. Uh, okay, uh, Black Panther, Cap 2, Guardians, Avengers, uh, Captain America Civil War, Ultron, Iron Man, Ant-Man, Iron Man 3, Cap 1, Thor, Iron Man th- 2, Thor 2, Incredible Hulk, uh, so yeah, um, uh, that's... I just had one note sure. about, since we finished the Captain America trilogy, yep. um, a really big shout out, just because Captain America as a hero, and we've talked about it in previous podcasts, mm-hmm. um, is, like, on paper, should be a bland superhero, and in the end, ends up being probably the best trilogy of the series. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. all the MCUs. Absolutely. It's, like, how they found an interesting angle to it, how they added depth, depth to it. It's so good. I just need. I figured it, we need to shout it out. No, it deserves it. it. Yeah. yeah, and it, and each movie got uh, instantaneously better and exponentially mm-hmm. better. Um, mm-hmm. Just a tremendous job by all involved. And Chris Evans' evolution from the beginning was just tremendous. When I originally thought, like this dude played the Human Torch, how is he going to play Captain America? And he <laughs> pulled it off. Yeah, he. Uh... Definitely, he's one of those actors who people miss uh, underestimate his acting ability because he's very handsome. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 uh, it's advantageous to be handsome in America in every single aspect of life, except people thinking you're a great actor. That's the only place <laughs> where being handsome is actually kind of a disadvantage. Um, yeah, I think these movies are great. The Russo brothers. I talked about it in the Winter Soldier pod, uh, going from directing sitcoms to the biggest film franchise that is if that's not a glow up i don't know oh, what is i actually have a thing about like oh kind of, yes in, i completely forgot to mention it you I, know you know I, what i want to get yeah into. the cam- another cameo from yes. a actor in community jim rash playing the <laughs> mit faculty who ha- wants to invent the hot dog that cooks itself from the inside out right <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yes I, remember I, I like to think that he's a dean yeah of that oh as well. yeah 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 yes Jim yeah. Rash just I actually wish like that he was given I wish honestly Jim Rash needs bigger movie roles because he is mm-hmm. and that's that's such a funny scene. Like just yes. I don't know. He's so like that's a much better cameo than Danny Pudi. As much as I love Danny Pudi, he doesn't do much. But just right. uh yeah, I completely forgot about mentioning that. But yeah, so um yeah. just because he already left, guys, you can follow Black Trey on Twitter at Black Trey. That's at B L K T R A Y. Uh, you can listen to him on the Back to Back podcast. Uh, just search that up on Apple Podcasts and the Nice Kicks podcast. Um, I think that that's all the places you can find him. Now, Anthony, where can people find you? AC Spotlight 95 on Twitter. Uh, programming note the AC Spotlight podcast. We're going to be back soon. We have some stuff planned since I'm going to be taking a little trip out west and may see a playoff game. So, uh, okay. may, have, may have the bro. Uh, NBA underscore trades on. We may do 
some nice uh, recaps of uh, what's happening in the NBA playoffs. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, Drum? can find me, as always, at Black Dragon Roll on Twitter. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at the J Christie. Uh, listen to my other podcast, Sorted History. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, guys. Give it five stars. Um, yeah. Not only does it like help us with numbers and stuff like that. I don't know. I can't. I don't. I can't speak for my co-host, but it makes me feel warm inside. So uh, it does. The re- the reviews have been very very nice. Hey, and, yeah. and you know it, what? It, Shout out to everyone on Twitter who like comes yeah. back and gives us like full breakdowns all the time like yeah. things that we miss even just like yeah. talking about and shout it. out it's, to anyone really who's cool all the feedback shout out to people who share it with other people you know because uh if you yeah. love yeah. marvel if you're someone else in your life who loves marvel marvel the worst thing that can happen is they say dude what the hell's wrong with you why are you listening to those guys and even that won't be <laughs> yeah. that much restraint on your friendship so yeah <laughs> yeah anyway uh we're here to hopefully bring people together yeah i'm gonna wrap this up now um so yeah i want to thank both my co-hosts and you guys uh, thank you you later